0: Welcome to the Preston Minster Podcast. We want you to find your home, find your purpose, and transform your city. Uh, This morning, I am simply going to ask one question. One question. That's all we're going to do this morning. One question. What is the destination of your invitation? What is the destination of your invitation? You see, what happens when we receive an invitation? So if I get a text from a friend and they say, hey, how are you doing? Do you want to come over? Do you want to have a meal at my house? The first thing I do in my head subliminally is I imagine the destination of that meal. And I think, yeah, I want to do that. Actually, the first thing I do would probably be thinking, oh, we're in 2019, I'm allowed to go to someone's house for tea. But the destination of that invitation is so key. Now, a different invitation that I seem to get quite regularly is this. My child would come home from school, and he would hand me his school bag, and i pull out from the school bag yet another invitation to a seven-year-old's birthday party. And... What I do in my head is I go to that destination and I look at the destination of that party and I see a lot of sweaty children, I see a lot of noisy children, I see a lot of very plasticky food and let's just say I am slightly less excited about the destination of that invitation than the one from my friends. What is the destination of your invitation? But of course, we don't just receive invitations, we also give invitations. The best uh, invitation that I have ever had the privilege of giving was to my wedding. And um, when we were preparing my wedding to my wonderful wife now, Emma, we were preparing our wedding and what we did is we decided that we were gonna divide responsibility for the wedding. So it's the best way to organize and to plan, right? So. Uh, over here, I, uh, I was given an area of responsibility and the area of responsibility for me was table names and um, Emma's responsibility was everything else, everything else. And that, that definitely turned out to be a very wise decision in our life because in my wisdom, I decided that the table names for our wedding should be the England squad. Yeah? Are you feeling that? It was a World Cup year, so it seemed great. Obviously, the head table was Sven, Goran, Eriksson. That's dated it, if anybody can work out which World Cup I'm referring to. Um, so actually, it was obviously a terrible decision. And it was an especially terrible decision because England were, of course, knocked out of the World Cup before we got to our wedding day, as I should have seen that a mile off. But my point is, we loved Preparing our wedding. We loved thinking about the decorations. We thought about the food. We thought about the table plan. We even thought about karaoke people. Uh, Robbie Williams, let me entertain you, just in case you were wondering. Um, was the go-to karaoke song. And we were so excited when it came to the time of the invitation. Because... We knew the celebration. We knew the destination was going to be this wonderful celebration. Does that make sense? We were so excited for it. It gave us a lot of joy. Now, Jesus told a story about a great party. But will you just rewind with me, just before we get to the story that Jesus told, to help us understand where what context Jesus was telling this story Jesus had been doing his ministry and he'd been uh, becoming a little bit more well known and there was a group of like religious people and they there was a very prominent man and he said to Jesus why don't you come to my house and have a meal and they they invited Jesus along but what they were trying to do really they were trying to trip him up they were trying to get him to say things that seemed a bit off now Jesus absolutely, masterfully managed to turn the conversation around to the fact that what they should have been doing, these religious people, was inviting the poor, the sick, the lame. You see, these people held the view that the way to become right with God was just to follow all the rules and to tell others how to follow all of these rules. And Jesus turned it all on its head, and then he told this story. If you'll turn with me to Luke uh, chapter 14, starting at verse 16 in your phones or Bibles or follow it on the screen. And Jesus told this story. He said, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on the way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry, and he ordered his servant, go out into the streets and alleys and towns and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still more room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. My house will be full. You see, Jesus wanted to explain that. Everything that their worldview, they needed to turn that around. I think there are three things that we can learn from this story that Jesus tells us. The first thing is this, that the the destination that Jesus is talking about, this heaven, this idea of heaven, the best way that Jesus could describe that is like a party. Isn't that interesting? That's the way that Jesus wants to describe heaven to us. You know, the artwork that we look at or the stories that we hear about what heaven's like is like a fluffy cloud, maybe... But Jesus describes it as this party. And I think that's something to get really excited about. That heaven, the way that Jesus describes it, is this great party. Now, before we go any further, we need to address the elephant in the room. So if everyone could just look over there and look at the elephant in the room. There's a big elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is this. We live in a time in history and in a place on earth where believing in heaven is seen as crazy. So it's okay for me to stand up here at the front of a church and say, heaven's great, guys. Heaven's going to be like a party. Woo. And it's okay for us to sit around and kind of look to our left and look to our right and kind of go, well, it's okay to believe that here the truth is, when we walk out that door, if we hold this view, if we hold this conviction that heaven is a real thing, a real place, we'll be seen as crazy. But I want us to understand that actually, this this culture that we inhabit when we walk out that door, it's actually a minority view. If you go back through history, if you look at all the history of mankind, The view has always been that there's there's something more, that there's something beyond, there's something after. Or even if you think about us in the West, actually if you look at different cultures around the world today, the predominant view, the predominant understanding is that there is something more. Now, in our culture, it comes up occasionally. You know, if somebody dies, if somebody's grandma's died, then we'll bring out this, uh, this sweet idea of a cloud in heaven. But actually, we're talking about having a strong, deep conviction. And the reason that I'm, I'm saying this and the reason that I'm not rushing beyond this point is it's so uh, important to understand that this is the world that we are inhabiting and we are influenced by. There's a story about a frog. And if you put a frog in a pan of boiling water, what happens? (claps) Jump straight out. It's not a daft frog. It knows I don't want to get boiled. Jump straight out. However, if I put a frog in a pan of cold water and I turn the gas on, well, what happens is the frog goes, this is quite nice. I could get used to this. And then the water warms up and you think, oh, this is quite cozy, actually. And then it starts bubbling, and it's like, oh, jacuzzi style, I like it. And then, of course, it dies. And the effect of our culture, of that water that we are swimming in, the water that we are around, we have to be aware of it, because if we're going to hold this real conviction that the destination of this invitation is eternal life, we've got to realize that that is uh, seen as weird. Does this make sense? You're with me. We need to fight. We need to understand that Jesus, Jesus who really did walk this earth, Jesus who really did die, Jesus who really did raise to life, that Jesus who really is the son of God, he says that heaven is a real place and it's going to be like a party. That is my point one. Second point is this. This is what the, the, the story shows us is the second thing is that you are invited. You are invited to this party. You know, I really feel like Jesus wants to say this specifically to, to some people today. Maybe I don't know who you identify with in that story. Maybe you identify with the guys that got the invite at the beginning but then sort of made excuses and didn't really come. Maybe you identify more with the poor, the sick, the disabled, the outcast. Maybe you're thinking, ah, I would never get this invite. I could never be included. But you are. In the story, they were invited. Or maybe you kind of relate a little bit more to the kind of passerby. Maybe you're like, I don't really think about this stuff a lot. Let me tell you, we are all invited so that my house will be full. That is Jesus' heart. Each and every one of us is invited. So, today, I really believe that Jesus wants to say this to you. I wrote it down. Okay. Hear these words as if it is Jesus talking to you right now. Jesus says, I want you to know you are invited. You are invited to my eternal party. I know the wounds that you carry. I know the scars that you bear. I know the mistakes that you've made. I know the mistakes that you don't realize you've made. And I've sorted it. I've sorted it all out, and I have put you on the VIP guest list to this eternal party. Are you coming? That's the end of Jesus' invitation, isn't it? It's like, I've done it. Are you coming? And I want you to imagine that invitation is like a handwritten, personalized invitation to you. And it's delivered with love and it's sealed with his blood. See, as Jesus died on that cross, he sealed that invitation because none of us are worthy of receiving it. But he sealed that invitation with his blood. We are all invited to the party. So, Heaven is going to be like a party, point number one. Point number two, that you are invited. But the third thing that we need to understand from this story today is that you and I, we are inviters to the party as well. We're not only invited, we are inviters. And I really want us to grasp what is in our hands. If we are the people that have the invitation in our hands, then we need to grasp that the destination of the invitation that you and I hold, it really is eternal life. It's an eternal party. You see, we're not just inviting people along to church to have a great time, although that's true and that's cool. We're not just inviting people along to Alpha on a Wednesday night to have a bit of food, have a great time, although that's true. But that, that invitation is just the beginning. And the destination of that invitation is eternal life, It's heaven. And I just, God spoke to us a few um, a few weeks ago about this, that there's a real urgency to this. There is an urgency to this. And the invitation is in your hands. I, um, I was speaking to a woman called Mari the other day. She's the head of Alpha England. And we were on the phone, and she was saying that they'd conducted Uh, a bit of research uh, recently, a few months ago. And they'd partnered with a few churches and they'd put together this amazing social media campaign. And it was incredibly successful. So many people saw it. They saw the Alpha brand. They saw the Alpha advertising. It got in front of the people they wanted it in front of. It was fantastic. But it had no effect on how many people actually went to Alpha at those churches. Isn't that interesting? Let me tell you why. The power of the invitation that is in your hand, nothing replaces the personal invitation. Nothing replaces, it. nothing is more powerful. We, I don't know why God chose this way, but the way that God invites people to become part of His community is through people like you and me, His church. From day one, that is what He has done. Know the power of the invitation that God has given you. now don't be surprised if people make excuses, okay and don't be disheartened i 've got a, a neighbor, and uh, as most of us do, I guess um, i 've got a neighbor and uh, I invited him to Alpha uh, last time, and he'd come to the launch service, which was great, really exciting, but he didn't want to come to Alpha, he sort of just said, I'm too busy. And these things, that happens, that's okay. But we have this powerful invitation that we can give. I just want you to imagine for a moment, just imagine with me for a moment. Imagine a work colleague or a friend or a family member who doesn't yet know Jesus. What if I said to you that by Christmas they could be well on the way to accepting an invitation from Jesus to that eternal party? You see, If we invite someone to Alpha, they could begin to ask that question. They could begin to ask, is there more to life than this? They could begin to maybe actually realize that Jesus is personally inviting them. And they could be walking in to that future that is there for them to grasp. But here's the exciting thing not only for that person who maybe you brought to mind, but imagine if we all began to do that. Imagine what would happen if we managed to foster this culture where we were all people who were like inviting all the time. We were constantly saying to people, come and see, come to church with me. Do you want to come to Alpha with me? You see, I think what would happen if we began to do that more and more and more, and we're pretty good at it now, but we can do more. Imagine what would happen What would happen is we would stop being just a church that is growing, and I think we'd become a movement for the gospel. We'd start to plant churches. We'd start to see the re-evangelization of this city. We'd start to really see the revitalization of the church in this city. We'd start to see this city completely transformed in Jesus' name. Friends, what? is the destination of the invitation. The one that you've received and the one that you hold in your hands today. I'm just going to invite Matt and the band up and um, let's turn to the Lord with this because there's a danger with this as we as we kind of realize that God is entrusting us with this invitation, there's a danger that we put it all on ourselves, right? And we know that this is a God thing. We know that the Holy Spirit moves in people's lives. Thank you so much for listening to the Preston Minster podcast. We'll see you again soon.